And for my friends over the years who've been Ashtangis, you've described exactly what I have seen in terms of injuries in that style of yoga. All right. However, a lot of people come into class, um, and I guess the question is, uh, do, uh, these are injuries that arise from overuse of a particular style of yoga, or what injuries end up showing up in class in general because people are getting older. So, you know, from that from that second perspective, I see tons of knees and lower back issues, tons of knees and lower back issues. And then as my students get older, a lot of hip uh, pain over time, right? So again, depends on the age group, depends on the style of yoga. That was Baxter Bell. Welcome back to Seeker and Sage, my friends. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I'm your host. Today is session 142 with Mr. Baxter Bell. Baxter Bell is the creator, or rather not the creator, I'm going to say that he's brought a lot of awareness into yoga for healthy aging. In fact, he's written a blog about it, started a blog about it, and then eventually wrote a book about it. This guy is so knowledgeable. Um, It was cool to have him on the show because I found myself, one, taking a lot of notes um, as I normally do, but two... As he was like speaking, I just kept, you know, hearing hearing his voice to younger Danny when I first started practicing yoga. Like I wish I would have taken care of my body way more back then, um, so that I didn't have all the injuries that I have now. I got a few injuries that, um, you know, I can't do the things that I used to do in yoga. I think it's really easy, and y'all know I make fun of this all the time, but like, it's really easy to get caught up on a yoga pose and to remember that it's just a pose and it's a gateway to get to know ourselves is super important. Now, that being said, you can't really get there unless you get there, right? It's gonna take time, experience, and just you tapping into your inner wisdom to know that. Uh, Baxter has so eloquently put it together that really we wanna make yoga a long-term situation. And really it's a, long, it's a long-term game, right? It's a marathon and not a quick sprint. I was super grateful to have him on the show. He really dropped a lot of uh, knowledge for all of us out there. Speaking of the show, the show does not happen without your love and support. So go to the support page and for less than a cup of coffee a week, $2, you can help support and sustain the show. The money goes to producing it, putting it together, putting it out there on the internet for you guys to listen to it. And last but not least, you can now carry the podcast with you in many podcasting apps, but you can now carry it in the Danny Pomploon Yoga app as well. It's located there uh, just underneath the meditations and the relaxing classes. Without further ado, here comes Mr. Baxter Bell on episode 142. Baxter Bell, where were you like six years ago when I needed you in my yoga practice? <laughs> Tell me more, Danny. <laughs> oh my God, man. I like, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I like to joke about stuff in general, but mm-hmm. mainly I talk, like, I, I like to say at the ripe old age of 36, this is it. This is all I got to look forward to is falling <laughs> apart. Cause right. I'm like my hip, my shoulder, my knee, like, you know, this, yeah. this, this, what am I doing at 36? But you know, I, I, I like a lot of yoga practitioners was like, chaturanga party, let's go. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And now I'm feeling it. And and it's interesting. I had Judith uh, Lasseter on the show uh, not too long ago, and we were talking about it. But I, we were talking, obviously, about restorative. Yeah. She's Judith Lasseter. And I was 
so resistant to practices like that. I was, if you were to tell me to like slow down and hold a pose, like, I don't want that crap. That's bull. Right. Um, and now, you know, I pride myself in how much restorative I not only take, but how much restorative I actually teach as well. It's, it's really my saving grace. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's actually made, made my body feel like it's, I've gotten stronger by doing less, but anyway, interesting paradox, isn't it? Yeah, it, that you get more by doing less, but I, I think that's been my experience too, Danny. Is it just the cycle though of, of yoga teachers? Like, is, is it the thing that we do? Yeah, you know, I actually, you might find this interesting. I started doing yoga when I was about 33. That's when I entered the realm, right? And mm. prior to that, I, I had been physically active. I used to do some mini triathlons. I used to like to do road biking and rock climbing and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, just in, in, by doing that stuff, I certainly beat myself up a decent amount. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And then my first teachers were people like Rodney. E. As, and I think uh, you, you were talking to Jason Crandall recently. And he and I, you know, were in the same training group together in 2000. Uh, and interestingly, he and I both grew up in, in the Toledo, Ohio area, went to the same high school but um, I graduated 15 years before he did. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> I, I have some years on both you boys. Uh, yeah, but, for sure. You know, but I started doing yoga at 33, and I, and I started doing kind of strong Iyengar practice. That was, that was my entry way in. I, I wasn't familiar with Ashtanga at that time or those kind of practices. But, you know, we certainly, in that, in that, um, in that genre of yoga and that style of yoga, there's plenty of ways to overdo it. And so, you know, being young and relatively fit, our attitude is, hey, let me try that. Let me try that. I want more of that. I want to master that. And, you know, and, and as, as we realize, because asana practice is a physical practice, right. it can result in injury or overuse injury if not done mindfully. And, you know, right. a lot of times I wasn't being all that mindful. Um, and I certainly racked up my own set of yoga-related issues over the years, too, you know. And, yeah. and like you, you, you eventually, I think what happens is you realize, boy, I need some help in some way. I got to find some, some tools, hopefully within the field that I've chosen, this field of yoga that I love so much, hopefully I can find some tools that are going to bring me back into balance, right? Create some healing and then allow me to still have strength in my practice, still have endurance in my practice, but also have periods of rest and quiet and kind of rebooting the body on a regular basis, was your progression into this, was it very like, I mean, it, so you did start with that, with that Iyengar background. So was yeah. it for you, you kind of, I guess I, I love to call Iyengar like preventative medicine um, because it is so dialed in and it is so nuanced. And, um, you know, was it something that you kind of like the roadmap for you was very clear that like, yes, if I continue to do it in this sustainable way, I'm going to get there further. Or was there, I mean, there wasn't like any big injury or, or anything like that that happened. Yeah, I didn't have any huge injury while doing yoga. I, I had little things that cropped up. You know, I had a, I remember tweaking my back out when I first moved to California from, from where I was living in northern uh, northern Kentucky uh, in uh, southern Ohio area, Cincinnati area, and in two thousand, and I tweaked my back out in the first three months of doing teacher training, probably because of the intensity of the training. Right, I was doing a lot more yoga than I was used to, mm. and. Um, and so, you know, that was that was a wake up call in a sense that I had to realize, wow, you know, I love this practice, but too much of a good thing is not always a good thing. Right. And, you know, even though there is you know, even though in that system, we often hear uh, people talking about good, healthy alignment and that it can be used therapeutically. Again, I think it depends on the teacher and the intention of the teacher and their skill level. 
Um, because, you know, I don't think being in headstand for 20 minutes doing a series of variations is necessarily that healthy for anybody in the long run. Right. Uh, just knowing what I know as a Western trained physician and acupuncturist, et cetera, you know, I, I, I understand the realities of how our bodies have evolved to what they are in this uh, particular year of 2020. And, you know, we've got some some vulnerabilities that if we're not careful, our our yoga practice could um, take advantage of. You you wrote a book about um, yoga for healthy aging as well. Yeah, I did. I co-wrote that with Nina Zolotov a couple of years back. So where did I mean? Okay, so you I mean, there's Baxter. You have all, literally all the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I don't know how you do it all. I, I try I try to do all the things. It doesn't work. <laughs> um, you have uh, okay, so you have this book, and and when we when we dive into the book, is it more of like a guide on like here are suggestions or here are some things that you found. Um, in the past, or is it patterns that you've noticed by yeah. by observation? Well, the book, uh, probably the best way to understand the book itself is to know that it grew out of about seven years of writing a blog um, called Yoga for Healthy Aging, being one of the co-founders and a contributing writer um, on this topic, right? So basically, uh, Nina Zoltov and I were generating ideas of things we thought were interesting on this idea of aging gracefully and aging in a healthy way. And when I say aging, I'm not talking about yoga for old people. I'm talking like you're saying you're already noticing at 36 that you need to take better care of yourself on some level, right? Oh, yeah, so, sure. so it's like the earlier that you start this uh, um, way of interacting with your yoga practice, the better off you're going to be. And we also, not only did we generate our own, own ideas and things we thought were important from our personal experience, doing yoga, getting a little bit older over time, but also we opened up the, we opened up the, uh, uh, the, uh, the inbox to questions that our readers, the people that started to follow us had. Mm-hmm. And what happened is really interesting, Danny, is people started sharing their major concerns about getting older and they fell into several categories. Uh, one category was people were worried about getting weaker, physically weaker over time. Mm-hmm. And other people were really worried about getting incredibly stiff and not being able to move at all. Some people were really worried about balance and agility because they knew that their grandmother just broke her hip at age you know, 78 and her entire life had been upended by that. Uh, other people were noticing that it was difficult to deal with the mental emotional stuff that was coming up as they were getting a little bit older. They weren't staying very grounded. So there was this idea that, you know, equanimity was important. And so what was so cool about that is basically by responding to the, the, the real needs of, of our readers, we started to be able to formulate a way of looking at yoga for healthy aging with certain categories uh, of practices and philosophies that would address all these interesting ideas that, w- that were coming up again and again with people over time, right? We, yeah, totally. It's, it sounds like a really uh, like a good resource of, of everything that was pulled together on the blog. When um, in in your ops, I guess <laughs> I love that I'm like starting with my own like you know I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure that there's we can dig into that. It's a whole other podcast episode, but. <laughs> I had a really hard time slowing down. I mean, even now in life, I have a really hard time to slow, to slowing down. And I don't know if it's just the, the Western, uh, you know, mentality of you know we do more and reward we're, we rewarded when yeah. we do more, and so that that obviously leaks into our practice. Yeah. And the other thing that I like to say a lot is really you just don't know until you know. You know, you yeah. have teachers out there like you that are like, listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, yeah. and you know we kind of brush it off. 
when you look at the landscape of when people come to um, you, you or your, your resources or your practice, is it people that you see in a type of pattern or would you say it's more like preventative people or me that was like chaturanga party and I'm like, okay, now I need to be fixed. Right. Yeah. Like you overdo it and then you'll have to look for something else. You know, I think it's a, in my, in my experience, Danny, it's, it's a real mixture of that because some people don't know anything about my background and they come and take one of my, you know, live streaming online classes because it's at their studio and it's the right time of day for them. Right. And that's how they walk in. So they're not necessarily coming because they're looking for something that's a little more therapeutically focused or necessarily is going to help them with their aging. They're just looking for a good yoga class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people who've been taking class with me now because I've been teaching in the Bay Area since 2001. I think I, I started my first class. So, you know, I've been teaching for 19 years. I had a woman come into class today that I hadn't seen in 12 years. She took a, did a private with me 12 years ago, just happens to be now taking classes at a studio where I just started teaching online recently. Mm-hmm. And so we're reconnecting and she has a therapeutic issue. She's got chronic low back pain, right? So, um, and then there are the, my regular students who've been with me for a while who know that as stuff crops up for them, they can at least address that both in class because, you know, at the beginning of class, like you probably do, I'm on maybe 10 minutes ahead of time saying hi to people as they're checking in. And people have a chance to say, oh, my, like one of my students broke her kneecap. She fell and broke her freaking kneecap. Can you imagine? I mean, it makes me wince just thinking about it. <laughs> totally. So and, and she's like 73 and super um, active in the world super active in the world, right? So she's got this full length um, brace on her leg and she wants to get back to yoga. And it's so amazing and so inspiring. But also, you know, as I'm teaching and she's been coming to my wife's classes too, um, we've been giving her little pointers of how she can modify what we're doing in the moment for a group of 10 or 20 people online so that she can actually enjoy the practice and keep it safe for her healing kneecap, right? So it really runs the spectrum of, of people that just show up in class and happen to like the style that I'm teaching and other people that are there deliberately because they've heard about the fact that I teach yoga for healthy aging or that I teach a therapeutic back class uh, twice a week. Um, you know, those sorts of things are appealing to them and that's why they end up in, in my class in particular. I feel like a lot of people are like, I mean, I, I, I recently ran a teacher training and someone was all turning 18. She wasn't even mm-hmm. 18 yet, mm. which just blew my mind away. Yeah. That, that wasn't a thing for, for, a while. I mean, we also used to, you know, like yoga in, in someone's living room. That's how you learned yoga for, right, for a really long right. time as, as well, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was lucky enough to get to know about yoga at a really, really, really young age uh, myself. Um, and I also was unlucky enough to know that yoga existed at a really, really, really young age myself because I, I don't, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was, of course. It was always a mixed blessing, right? I mean, depending on where you start. How old were you, Danny, when you started? I was 18, Tim Miller, primary series. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's great. <laughs> I didn't – I don't know if I would call it great. But, but, I mean, the thing is, I mean, in some ways, it was probably good that you were 18 when you met him and not when you were, like, 43. Yeah, you for never, sure. You know, and you'd never taken a yoga class before. And that's the other kind of confusing thing for people is – how do you find, and I'm sure you've talked about this many times with other guests, but how do you find the right yoga for you at the stage of life that you're in mm-hmm. with the unique factors that you have going on in your body and in your mind from the life that you've been living, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, I'm sure someone will eventually invent some sort of an algorithm that you can plug into 
and be given three of the top choices of what kind of class and style would work best for the kind of person that you are. Right. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that be beautiful? But, you know, my friend Mary Pafford, who I don't know if, uh, Jason, you've ever talked about Mary, but she's from England originally. She lives up in Ukiah area um, and fascinating, you know, teacher. But she she often kids around. She said, you know, people uh, sometimes badmouth other styles of yoga, you know, and someone was you know, talking crap about Bikram style of yoga. And, and she said, you know, I don't care how people come to yoga mm-hmm. because if they stick with it, eventually they're going to find their way to the style that ultimately works best for them. If they stick with it, they're going to get curious. They're going to look around. They're going to try a different teacher, a different style and something that is going to resonate on a different level than it was just the first time they, they said, I'm going to try this thing. I don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know what I was, what I, I, I mean, I completely agree. What, what I, what I, I, I look at though, and I'm concerned uh, just slightly. And, yeah. And, you know, it's obviously for people to, to find on their own journey is that, especially I, I look at, and I'm all, like I'm 36. You know, it's not. Yeah. I, but I look at everything that, that we see on like social media and things like that. I, I've talked a lot about this, and it's almost like we glorify pushing people to their limits. Yes. And. My concern with like, you know, a lot of people practicing young, which I did, you know, I thought Ashtanga was like the way it was like the only way. And I thought right. people cranking on my body and forcing me into different shapes was like, great. Right. Now that I kind of look back at it, I'm like, whoa, I've studied a little bit. Not the best thing for me, you know, yeah. now yeah. at this point in my life, yeah. I, I wonder if there, you know, I guess when you say like there's different styles of yoga for people at different stages in their life, I feel like something of a blend of what you what you do yoga for healthy aging like you could start with that anywhere yeah you could no. start with you yeah. could start with the blend of of east and west and you know a, like a true mindfulness practice where you're where you're listening to the nuance and and getting to know uh the voice inside of it better you know yeah yeah for sure and also you know it's 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 hard because we often learn by mimicry right well we do since we're a kid right we mimic everything and mm-hmm. and you know, so it, it would be great to have the teachers, if those first instructors who are mature enough and have a broad enough experience themselves that they can bring more of that mindfulness to play immediately. Right. So it's not just popping into the, you know, the core power place and, you know, getting someone who's, you know, just, you know, for, for all all the the you know, positive intention that folks have. Sometimes they go into teacher training when they've only been doing yoga for a couple months, right? right. And right. so so there's, again, there's a vast array of experiences uh, with teachers and the experience they have. And yeah, it would be great if we could start early on teacher training, even in your first classes where we truly have beginner classes that introduce you to different styles, but they do it very mindfully and thoughtfully. So you realize that there are options that you have and there's a way to keep yourself safe as you explore these things. I, when I had Jason on the podcast, I don't know if you heard, but he, or I remember I was in his training um, and he had said that when he worked with Rodney, that if Rodney saw somebody in the room that was just not, not there, like should, shouldn't have been there, that he would tell Jason, take that person outside, show them how to do sun salutation and do not let them back in until they can. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, he and I were in the same training. I guess luckily I didn't see that happen because that would have been pretty fascinating. That's yeah. not to say it didn't happen because, I mean, the thing with somebody like Rodney is he had been teaching for a good 15 years by the time we all met him, right? So he had lots of experience and he had a quick eye and uh, I'm sure he still does. And, you know, he often felt like he was there 
uh, he, he that he got up out of bed that day to teach you class, not the other twenty eight people in the room, right? Uh, yeah. And he and he had kind of a interesting eye. And the other teacher that I taught with for years, and I, and Jason did a little bit of work with Donald Moyer too, I believe. But Donald Moyer was where I think Rodney probably learned that skill of being able to read bodies well and know who's safe and who's going to get into trouble and try to give them some more basic ways of entering into a better relationship with the particular asana that we were working on. Mm-hmm. So that was inspiring, you know, to be around both Rodney and and, uh, and Donald and people with that kind of skill. And you realize that, oh, wow, I can I can develop this if I'm paying attention and I'm and I'm learning how they're plugging in to the subtlety of, of the human body and what's going on. And and then I can be a more effective uh, guide for people as, as they move through their practice. Baxter, let's talk about injuries really quick. Okay. So the top three injury, <laughs> almost like we should do like a, a survey here. Top three injuries, write them down. Our <laughs> notes. Survey says the top three injuries. What I always, what from from my experience, what I've seen um, in yoga is wrist, shoulder, and hamstring attachments, and it's right. because weight load, chaturanga parties, and people try to win yoga and touch their toes and pull, pull, pull when they really when they really shouldn't. What do you see? What do you see in the room? Uh, I guess when people go to you when, when they're at that point in, or the stage in their, in their yoga career where they're like, I need fixing. What do you see most in the room? And you've got two different backgrounds, right? So you get to come yeah. from the East and the West. Uh, right. what, what's in the room all the time for you? Yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, Danny, I think you've mentioned that you started with the Ashtanga practice. And for my friends over the years who've been Ashtangis, you've described exactly what I have seen in terms of injuries in that style of yoga. Mm-hmm. All right. However, a lot of people come into class. Um, and I guess the question is, uh, do, uh, these are injuries that arise from overuse of a particular style of yoga or what injuries end up showing up in class in general because people are getting older. So, you know, from that, from that second perspective, I see tons of knees and lower back issues, tons of knees and lower back issues. And then as my students get older, a lot of hip uh, pain over time, right? So again, depends on the age group, depends on the style of yoga. Baxter, um, I think you just called me one of your older students. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, look, at, I, really, without even thinking about it, I just glided right in there, man. I want you to know that I, I want you to know that I feel seen and personally attacked all at once. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, and, and you know what? I want to I want to mention that um, this guy Lauren Fishman. Are you familiar with that name, Danny? You might not. No. Uh, so Lauren Fishman is a physician. He's a physiatrist and he's a longtime Iyengar practitioner and he lives in New York City and he has a practice rehabilitating uh, patients that get sent to him from other specialists, from surgeons, etc. cetera. Um, and he's done some research over the years. He's actually done a lot of work around yoga for uh, scoliosis and for osteoporosis, thinning of the bones and low back pain. And he does trainings, you know, for people all over the place. But um, the interesting thing is he did a survey a couple of years ago, maybe it's probably been a good, maybe almost 10 years ago, where he sent this survey out to thousands of um, yoga practitioners and asked them specifically about their injuries. And he gathered that data and he published it in the uh, journal that the International Association of Yoga Therapy, which is based in the U.S., publishes annually. So if people are really curious about like a, a, a larger database of, of, of people, they can, they can look on IAYT.org's website and you might be able to find that, that study. So, you know, basically the stuff that I've mentioned and you've mentioned are the things that happen most of the time for people. 
if we glop all those together, we've covered a lot of a lot of the territory. I, I can so I might throw this left field at you. When when you see these people coming in with with low back um, and knee specifically, when you start to triage and you look at what's happening in the bodies, what would you say the? I mean, you know, we can't throw an overall like this is a recipe yeah. to fix this. But what, what do you see the the most going on injury wise? Like what's, yeah, what, I will what's the problem. Yeah. So when it comes to low back stuff, a lot of it is a less than optimal awareness about just general postural mm, uh, postural support for the spine, right? So um, when I look at folks, they'll come to class and they're obviously holding lots of tension in their body. They have a lot of stiffness and we're starting off in simple cross-legged position, sukhasana, and they're sitting on the floor with no props and their back is completely rounded. So they're basically going to aggravate their lower back that's already bothering them, right? So especially with lower back, a lot of it is just kind of starting to educate people about postural awareness can go a long way to start to alleviate some of their chronic discomfort in the back. When it comes to knee issues, for a lot of people, um, even if they're relatively young, even you know folks in their um, late 20s, early 30s, if they played competitive sports when they were younger, if they're a long distance runner as a young person, um, they can start to actually develop overuse injury in the knee joint. They start to get arthritis at a young age, right? So we, I always like to ask folks, especially if they share with me that their knees are bothering, I always ask, what else are you doing besides yoga these days? Um, so that I can get a better sense of how I can at least give them a little general guidance on how do you temper the thing, the other thing that you love so that you can hang on to those knees and not have to get new metal knees or new titanium knees soon, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think especially with knees and lower backs, those are two really basic things. Um, but like you probably realize I do three-hour workshops just on yoga for lower back health. And, you know, in those settings, I can get into a lot more detail. But, you know, it's a nice place to start. Let's start with posture, with the knee. Let's look at other activities that might be aggravating the knees. And then, you know, because a lot of the weight-bearing poses we do in yoga, like squats, like doing malasana, um, like doing really deep uh, warrior twos, where you're literally trying to get a 90-degree angle between the, the shin and the thigh bone, that may not be the best alignment cue for that person who's really trying to keep those knees healthy if they're already a little bit cranky. So, you know, that can give me some ways to talk with them in class and give them some alternatives where they can still do a warrior two that's better for them than maybe other people in the class. But that's what the girl next to me looked like. So I, I know gotta, it, damn it. I, I got to do it too. <laughs> you know, I, that's so funny that you mentioned that, Danny. I had a guy come to class and he said, you know what? I intentionally set up in the front row so that I can't see what everybody behind me is doing because I don't want to be influenced by their form. I want to be able to listen to the teacher and understand what they want me to do, not look at the Gumby person two rows back and think that's what I ought to be doing. No, man, I go to the front row so everyone can see how good I am. <laughs> There's that option too. There's I, always that one guy who likes to take off his shirt because he's really cut. And he's usually in the front row also. Danny, <laughs> this is a restorative class. Get out of handstand. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you can do handstand. Good for you, Danny. <laughs> you Listen, Baxter, you go in and before class starts, you assert your dominance. <laughs> Dude, I've been there. I used to be that guy. Believe I am that guy. That's right. totally why I joke. When, when, when I was in my mid thirties, I would totally do shit like that. Excuse yeah. my French. Yeah. And you know, looking back on it, it was like, wow, there was a lot of. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of ego involved in the practice. And you know, I just, I'm not that person anymore. I mean, I still, I still like to let people know I'm there, but in a whole, I want to connect in a very different way, not by saying, "Look at me and how cool I am," but 
hey, what's going on? What's going on with you? I want to get to know people. I don't want them just to look at me and have an assumption about who they think I am. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a broader it's a broader lens than just a party trick. That's right. It's a process. It's all yeah. a process, right? Getting older and getting a little more mature. <sighs> Big sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, I have a, I guess, it, and this may be like, it's definitely on the spot. So, you know, we, we, we didn't plan this one out, but if you were to describe or, you know, I mean, the podcast is called Seeker and Sage. So I'm going to, I'm going to seek some personal wisdom here in hopes that, you know, the listeners are maybe thinking that this as well. Like if I were to, if I were to look, if you were to look back at, you know, let's say like a younger, you know, version of, 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 of me and say, Hey Danny, here's some advice witnessing you, like trying to win first place every t- single time you come into yoga. Yeah. I would invite you to take, or here are a couple steps or some sort of like, something that's tangible that we can start to integrate versus just take, you know, take care of yourself. Listen, listen to your body is one thing. And and you hear so many people just say it because they they think they're supposed to say it, but what is, what is some tangible steps or what is some, like for me, I wish I would have really been forced to take a therapeutics class and then a restorative class. And then maybe I was allowed to take a a vinyasa class after that. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think you can, uh, if you're in a class setting and everyone's there, um, one interesting way to practice is to have everyone uh, like tur- uh, be on a periphery and turn away from the center of the circle so everyone's looking outward mm-hmm. uh, and only take in the verbal instructions without seeing any visual instruction. Mm-hmm. And even if, um, if people can be safe doing it, ask people to literally close their eyes. Now, you're not going to do that in some balance poses, but there are plenty of poses where you can close your eyes, right? And in closing the eyes to then start asking people to notice what they're actually feeling and where they're actually feeling it. And I, I, I often use like little phrases like, um, uh, like if you were going to write like a three sentence description of what's going on in your body right now, do that and hear it in your own mind, right? So that they actually have to construct a logical explanation for where they're feeling sensation and what they're feeling. So again, we start turning our attention inward versus kind of the outward display for others' benefits, right? Or another question you could put out is, um, what would this pose actually look like if nobody else was here practicing with you right now? Would you actually choose to do it in a slightly different way when when you had your own choice of how to experience the pose? Yeah. Um, And then, of course, you know, we talk a lot about the breath. But instead of, you know, a lot of teachers just say, uh, make sure you're still breathing. Well, Danny, nobody has ever actually stopped breathing in my class. <laughs> really, they don't they don't hold their breath. In de- I mean, and if they're doing it, it's very subtle. And, you know, so a lot of yoga teachers really inaccurately use that phrase. We're trying to actually uh, become aware of the breath again would be a much better way of saying that. Right. So become aware of your breath. And is there any strain in the breath? So if the, if the breath is your stress barometer, What's it telling you right now about how much effort or over effort you're using in the pose? Um, another concept I like to play around with is uh, how can I do my poses sustainably today, right now, and for the rest of my life, right? So like if, I, if, if the teacher said, we're going to be in this pose for the next five minutes, do I have myself set in a way, if I'm doing it statically, that I could sustain that without over-efforting and ending up in trouble? Right. So I like to use those concepts that we hear outside the yoga classroom, sustainability, um, and bring it into a personal uh, experience 
so that people can use that to kind of get them again. We're, we're you know, we're, you and I, our job is to kind of turn people's attention back towards themselves, not in an egocentric way, but in a curious way, right? We're trying to inspire curiosity. Yeah, I love that idea of, of having people, you know, I love what you just said about that, that, that three part, your elevator speech of your pose and what it actually feels like. And to take the time, take the time, the space, the energy to pause and actually tune in because otherwise you're just floating around in the room somewhere. Right. And, you know, the other thing uh, that I think is helpful, I had, I've been teaching this class for back health for almost since I first started teaching. Um, And, you know, I walked in a couple years in and this woman, fabulous woman from Iran who used to take my class all the time, she, she looked at me as I walked in the room. And I'm sure you've had this happen, Dan. She, I walk in the room and, and she goes, look at you, Baxter. You're perfect. Your posture is so amazing. You're so, how can you, we, how can you work with us? We're a mess. We all have these problems. And I paused <laughs> for a moment. I smiled. It was very sweet of her to, to think that I was that person. And then I pointed to my shoulder and I said, rotator cuff injury. I pointed to my hip and I said, bursitis. I pointed to my knee. I said, early arthritis. And after I went through a couple spots, she literally brought her hands up to her mouth and she goes, oh my God, you're just like us. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yes, I am just like you. I'm a human being. Things are going to wear out. Things are going to be injured. And then I'm going to have to try and work to heal myself and come back into better balance again, right? Yeah. And, and so I think even that, that uh, willingness to share with our students our own journey. And I, and I bet you probably do that. I bet you probably tell folks that you've had some of these injuries because again, number one, they can then identify with you as a real human being and realize that yoga is not some sort of panacea that's going to take care of all your problems necessarily. But if you get into the subtlety of yoga, and especially when we talk about cultivating equanimity so that we can handle those down times a little bit better, you're going to realize that the toolbox is pretty big, maybe bigger than you realize. It's a lot more than just obviously just the poses and that you can actually use this to really help a lot of facets of your life over time. Yeah, I mean, it, that, and that's a, that's a whole like tough pill to swallow because you hear the same, like it's, it's taking me this long in the journey to be like, oh yeah, this stuff actually, I do believe the stuff that comes out of my mouth now. I've had that experience of someone being in the room being like, oh wow, you can do this and that and you know, so on and so forth. And my tendency is to be like, yeah, I can get the hell out. Give me your money and get the hell out of here. <laughs> Shame them for not being me. And then that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, you know, I, I had, I, you know, that I don't, for however funny it might be, I had a teacher once uh, for a five, seven day workshop or retreat that I was on, um, have us get into um, Parshvo, uh, uh, Parshvottanasana, pyramid pose. First pose, no warm up, and um, we had to hold it for like you know a freaking five minutes, and then when we came out, we we literally were browbeat by the teacher on how miserable the pose looked, and is this the way the whole week is going to go? <laughs> oh so, my god! You know, it all traveled thousands of miles to go to this retreat, and we're getting chewed out in the very first posture we do. So you know, sadly, I mean, fortunately, the rest of the week went better than that, but. You know, it's like, no, I want to be, I actually want to be the person who says, hey, what do you guys want to work on? Where are you at? Let's find a, a really safe, logical way to work our way towards something that might be challenging if that's what the group wants to work on. Right. If I'm doing a series or whatever. And, and you know this, Danny, that drop-in classes make some of that stuff pretty hard, right? Because 
you, you have your regulars that do show up and you know what they are capable of and you know some of their injuries and their and their vulnerabilities. But then it's that person who you've never seen before. The tourist. Uh, the tourist that come in. It's just like somebody throwing repeated curveballs and you're like, oh, shit, I can't hit anything today. Because yeah. and, and that makes that makes teaching hard in modern times, I think, especially if we want to teach people something. Yeah, it's one thing to guide a practice; it's another thing to teach yoga. It's and, to, to be to be in the seat of the educator, absolutely for sure. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. is a this is a classroom, and this is a lesson, and there is a, a clear objective as to what I'm trying to communicate, or with the information that I'm trying to communicate is trying to teach you something. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think cultivating that in our own teaching, and then if if like you, when you're lucky enough to be guiding the next generation of yoga teachers, and I get to do this also uh, on a pretty regular basis, um, is remembering that, and then trying to instill that same quality uh, in those new teachers, right? So that they start off with a little bit of an advantage over some of their competitors, some of the other teachers that are coming out of programs that might not uh, emphasize that that sort of attitude towards the towards the practice. It's funny because, you know, I like, again, I can only speak from my experience. And when, you know, I'm sure when I say this, you're like, yeah, exactly. You'd get there at some point, right? If you stuck with it. But, you know, I I so resisted all of this. You couldn't tell me any of this stuff years ago. I I would have just laughed at you and then continued to, you know, go upon my destructive, self-destructive way of (laughs) trying to torment my body in so many ways. And now I'm like, oh yeah, restorative. Yeah. Maybe I should slow down. Maybe all this thing. And it's, I can see it in younger teachers because there, there really are things. Oh man, my parents are going to be like, aha, they're going to listen to this and be like, aha, (laughs) but there really are certain things that only, only the only time can teach you and only the experience of time and, and, and what you go through in the teachings can teach you. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I just started doing this online meditation course uh, with a guy named Lewis Richmond and it's called, um, Aging as a spiritual practice. Mm. How's that for an idea? Yeah. And he's a longtime uh, Buddhist meditation teacher. He had been a monk when he was younger, hung out with Suzuki Roshi in San Francisco back in the 70s. Um, and he said, you know, for a lot of people, there has to be a lightning event, a lightning event, a sudden shock to the system. And especially when you're younger, it often has to be a pretty significant injury or illness, right? That kind of brings you face to face with the fact that you're not invincible that you are mortal and that you might have to take a little better care of yourself over time. And, you know, fortunately my lightning events have been uh, of, of, uh, of smaller impact. You know, they weren't uh, life threatening sorts of things, but you're right. Time does play a role in that. And, and the good news is over time, almost everybody's going to have those things happen that right. they're going to wake up to. And so it's great uh, that you're sharing some of those ideas now in your podcast and your teaching and, you know, guys like Jason and I, we were out there traveling the world also and trying to spread the word. And the great news is, is that people that have been practicing yoga for a while really start to resonate with this kind of an attitude towards teaching. They're so grateful that they find teachers who are now taking into, uh, into account the vulnerabilities, the injuries, the health issues, et cetera, that might be affecting their students so that they can be guided in a much healthier and happier way into the next phase of their yoga practice. hundred percent, man. I, I yeah. totally, the, the paradigm for me has so shifted where I'm like, oh, there was, that's a whole lot of leaky energy. How do I, mm-hmm. not only just like, you know, in, in a physical practice, but also in a, in a, in a mental practice as well, in a, in a spiritual practice, there's a lot of like giving out versus drawing that energy in and being a little more 
potent in mm. where I do disperse that energy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Baxter, man, I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to, to, to touch base and check in on this. And, you know, selfishly, this podcast episode was for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is there's at least two other people out there that are going to enjoy it, right? Your mom and your dad. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and they're going to be like, we told you so. We That's right. <laughs> and I'm amazed that 36 minutes have gone by already in our conversation. So it's been I mean, a delight yeah, talking we, with you, Danny. Yeah, I hope same. we get to meet in person before too long. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And I, I didn't realize that you were you were still in the Bay right now. I know a lot of people have been traveling and, and moving with, with COVID and everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, now I, that I know you're stuck here, as soon as things are safe again, I'm definitely going to pop into class and say hello for sure. Sounds good. Until the next Seeker and Sage, this is Danny and Baxter saying peace out. Thanks. Thanks for having me.